Today I'd like to start a new series in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. And the series is called Crossing Over. Crossing Over. And today's message is going to be part one. It's not going to be consecutive week by week. Alex is actually going to be speaking next week. Uh, but uh, I'll just move out the road of this here. But this is part one. It's called Giants in the Land. Now the author of the book of Joshua was Joshua himself. And the original audience of the book was the people of Israel in that time. The setting of the book is they're on the verge of the promised land, the land of Canaan. Which was in the exact same area as modern day Israel is. And the book of Joshua that we'll walk through in this series, it outlines the history of Israel entering into the promised land. But before we launch straight into the book of Joshua, I think it's really important that we understand the context and we understand the background to where this is all coming from. Because the first question we might ask ourselves is, who is this Joshua character? Well, Joshua, he's mentioned in Numbers 13. If you want to turn to Numbers, you'll you'll find the Old Testament we're referring quite a lot to that in our background. The book of Numbers. In Numbers 13.16 it says These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land Moses gave Hosea son of Nun the name Joshua So here comes this character Joshua He appears on the scene There The Israelites had left slavery in Egypt And at that point Joshua was a very young man Moses was the leader that God had called to deliver the people out of Israel. Hopefully you're familiar with that story. You kind of hear it in Sunday school and you hear it in various films and such like. That Moses had led the people uh, out of slavery. Now Moses, after they left Egypt, chose Joshua as his personal assistant. Someone to help him along the way. And no doubt over the years this would have had a massive impact on Joshua's life. And there's probably something in particular that would have impacted Joshua's life. Because if you read in Exodus 33.11, it says, While Moses was alone before God at Sinai, Joshua kept watch in the tent of meeting. Also he learned to wait on the Lord. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now what you need to picture here is that God himself, the great God of heaven, was presencing himself in the tent of meeting. And Moses was God's man that he was speaking to face to face. What a privilege. What a privilege. And here's this young Joshua. And he's in there and he's sitting in the presence of Almighty God. He's in the tent. Would that not have impacted your life? Remember all the others were outside the tent. This man would have learned what it was to be in the presence of Almighty God. And to learn to wait upon him. Moses then also gave Joshua a leadership role within the community. There was 12 tribes, historical ancestral tribes of Israel. And Joshua was made leader of the Ephraim tribe, one of those 12 tribes. Now, you maybe heard this. We chorus, 12 men went to spy in Canaan, 10 were bad, 2 were good. Anyone want to tell me the rest of the words? <laughs> I'll test you, Lorraine. What did you say? Spy in Canaan, 10 were bad, 2 were good. Some saw giants, we 
Very good. Give Lenny a round of applause. There you go. See? We don't forget it. So, we've heard the kids' chorus, and in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, we read that at God's personal instruction, Moses sent 12 leaders of the tribes. The 12 leaders of the tribes were sent into the promised land to explore it. And after 40 days of exploring the promised land, the 12 spies came back with a report, and they came back with some samples of the good harvest found there. It was actually recorded as grapes, as the chorus said, you know, wonderful, fantastic fruit. Um, So what was the promised land like then? If we read in Deuteronomy a little description of it, Deuteronomy 11, uh, verse 9, the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers to give them and their descendants is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden, but the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to the end. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. Do you see here that God had prepared good things for his people? He prepared good things. This place, this promised land, was a place of blessing and provision from God. It says it was flowing with milk and honey. But did you see there that the people had to respond in obedience and they had to enter in to all that God had prepared for them? Did you see the command to love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul? So the people were asked to love and obey the Lord with all of their hearts. And just to apply that to ourselves today, are we ready? Are we ready to love God? And are we ready to listen to his voice and obey what he would ask us to do? Are we ready to enter into all that God has prepared for us here now? We know that this passage is in the Old Testament and as we look forward to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world, when he came died and rose again, we see a completion of the promise of God and an opportunity to enter into every spiritual blessing through what Christ has done for us, where? On the cross of Calvary when he died for each and every person in the entire world who's ever lived. He took our sins on himself and opened the way for us to enter in to every single spiritual blessing starting with your sins are forgiven it says in Ephesians 1.3 praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ there's an important focus in that for us now today we see Christ as the centre of the spiritual blessing available to us do you see that today? it's really really important we centre on that for, for now 
So as believers, if we believe in Jesus Christ, we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But we must believe the truth of that. It's by faith we receive these things, isn't it? We must believe that truth. And we must cross over from fear to faith. And we need to live in faith in that blessing. The Apostle Paul said this. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's a really incredible thought, isn't it? That God would take a hold of you to save you. He cares that much. He gets a grip on you. But he's asking us to get a grip on him. To press on and enter into all that he has took hold of us for. See, we're to press on. We're to move forward. To take hold of every spiritual blessing that has already been made available to us in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't ever taken that first step of believing in Jesus, it's really important you take that first step of faith and that you consider it very seriously. So, what could possibly go wrong? We've got this situation here, the promised land is good. God has prepared good things. He's given the command to go in. What could possibly go wrong, do you think? The people had been in slavery in Egypt. It was terrible. It was awful. They cried out to God to rescue them. Then God rescued them, took them out of Egypt. And then a miracle happened. Moses led them straight through the Red Sea on dry land. Isn't that good? You want a miracle? God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He did it. He took them straight through. Their enemies were on their back. They were at a dead end. God took them straight through. He miraculously delivered them through on dry land out of slavery all of this had been done for them by God and their enemies were left just trailing behind them totally defeated absolutely totally defeated bewildered at what had happened and Moses then as their leader you know, he, he led them through the wilderness towards the land that God was promising to take them into this land flowing with milk and honey what, what could go wrong? Well, the 12 spies returned with a report from 40 days investigation of the land. And we read the report in Numbers 13. I'll just read some of it to you. Numbers 13, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. They're giants, by the way. The Amalekites live in Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up. And take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with them said. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. About the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of a great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. 
what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) So after 40 days of investigation of the promised land, although the land looked absolutely amazing, they saw giants there. They saw giants there. And they were afraid of those giants. They said, we can't attack them. They are stronger than we are. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Did you notice something in that statement? To me that statement jumps out. What were they measuring themselves against? They were measuring the giants against themselves. Instead of measuring the giants against God. Did you see that? You see the giants were like grasshoppers to God. Everybody's like grasshoppers to God. But the people continued just agreeing with this bad report. And fear struck them. Numbers 14, uh, verse 1. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But you know what happened was. They didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb's Caleb's wisdom. They continued to be very fearful. They did not trust God to see them safely crossing over the Jordan into the promised land. And only Joshua, this young man, and Caleb, another younger man, trusted God that he would lead them into the promised land. They were saying, the Lord is with us, don't be afraid of them. In the eyes of the people, the majority of the people, they had a big problem and a small God. But in Joshua and Caleb's eyes, they had a small problem and a big God. You know, there's a massive difference in these two sides of perspectives. Joshua and Caleb had faith in their mighty God. We were singing it earlier. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. I think that's a song Joshua Joshua and Caleb would have sung. They had faith in their mighty God and they believed that he could overcome any giants that were in the land. Now, UCB, a Christian broadcasting company that I can highly recommend, they do Word for Today, um, devotionals and radio and TV broadcasting. They've, in dealing with the public across the UK and Europe, they've identified 12 giants in our modern society. 12 major problem areas that they find continually affect people when they're, when they're dealing with counselling. I'll just list them to you. Discouragement. Temptation, grief and loss, pride, 
spirituality, whether it's misplaced spirituality or insincere worship, addiction, family issues, death and finance, work and employment, unemployment issues, fear, anger and resentment, and materialism. There are some really good booklets I just saw there on the website of UCB. They're freely available. You can order them. Uh, or just actually view them on the internet. It's all very well produced. UCB.co.uk. Have a look at them up. They're called Overcoming. And there's a booklet on each one of these. And I would recommend you have a look if, if there's anything in particular there you would like more information on. So to apply this to us today, these are modern, these are up to date, identified giants in our society. Wouldn't you agree? These are problem areas which are affecting our society today. Can I ask, are we facing any of these particular giants today? I'm sure all of us, I know I can, I'm sure all of us could identify with at least one or maybe more of these issues as, as giants in our own experience. But as a fellowship, as a church here, we also face these giants as we work for the Lord in this local community, working in Murraysburg. Bob Gass is the author of Word for Today in UCB and he's also the author of these wee booklets. He says this, The giant you are facing today is not bigger than the God who is living within you. Learn to stand up in the power of God's might and conquer the giant you're facing. It's good, isn't it? And of course he's talking to believers when he says the God who is living within you is greater. Ephesians 6.10 speaks to believers, says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You see, if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, we can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Don't you agree? And we can take our stand against these giants in the power of Jesus Christ and in the victory he has already won for us on the cross at Calvary. Now, that's something that's quite easy to say, isn't it? It's not something that's so easy to receive into your heart and really believe, isn't it? Not So just take a t- time before I move off this list and let's just believe God, even if your face this small, just believe God that he can move these giants, remove these giants from our lives. In the name of Jesus. Hebrews 2.14 says, He, that's Jesus, shared in our humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. So yes, we have an enemy, the devil, but do you know what? He's defeated. Do you believe that? He is defeated. And yes, he can speak lies into our lives. Yes, he can take us down the wrong paths. Yes, he can lead us into things like this that get a grip on us. But he has no power over a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm just encouraging me to receive that today and all of us to receive that today. We can live in victory over all of these things. We can make a way through. Jesus has defeated the power of sin and death. He has trampled the devil under his feet. There is no giant we face that we can't overcome through the victory that Jesus has already won for us on the cross. God is greater than any giant we face in this world. And again, I would say to you, if you haven't, if you really don't know if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, seriously consider it. Not if you know it in your head, but if you really know 
the Lord is your saviour in the heart. And then, there were two. You know, just because there's a majority report on something, doesn't mean it's the correct report, does it? doesn't always mean that, you know. Actually, Joshua and, and Caleb were the minority report. There was only two out of twelve that brought that particular message. So just because you can find a few friends who agree with you, doesn't mean you're doing something that's God's will. Just because we can get an agreement and a, you know, a few folks round about us, they can say, yes, walk that way, go in it, doesn't necessarily mean it's God's voice speaking to us. You see, we need to seek God's will for our own personal lives. And God's instruction for our own personal lives. The people didn't listen to Joshua or Caleb. They were afraid of the giants. And because they refused to cross over into the promised land, and because of their disobedience, God had to send them back out into the wilderness for 40 years. What a waste, eh? What a waste. Didn't have to happen that way. God said, everyone who is uh, 20 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hands to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. But Joshua and Caleb would still be allowed to enter the promised land. Did you see that there? They're allowed to enter because of their faith in God. You know, God didn't say because Joshua's a very intelligent man, because Joshua's got a degree in this, that, and the next thing, because Joshua's got fairly good behaviour, better than the rest. Didn't actually say that. It said because Joshua and Caleb believed and had faith in God, they trusted God, and because they were willing to put their trust and faith in God into action and actually obey what the Lord was saying enter the promised land you see they weren't willing to let their own personal fears get in the way of obeying God can't we often do that let our own fears sometimes just take the easy road because it's just easier that way you know I'd rather just go out into the wilderness because it's easier because actually God's will for my life is too difficult and what God's asking me to do is too difficult doesn't that sometimes what we do? We go for the easy route, but actually it's a wilderness route, you know. It's a wilderness route, it's a route which we weren't meant to be going. So let's turn to the book of Joshua. Chapter 1. So the old generation of Jews had died uh, in the wanderings in the wilderness. Those 40 years, and it was after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness that we continue the story in the book of Joshua. Just uh, keep your Bible open in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. So the Lord's given a, a personal word here to Joshua. Get ready to lead. Get ready to lead. Before Moses had died, he announced to the people that Joshua would lead the Israelites. And they were sitting now in the plains, uh, just near the Jordan River. And Joshua had been commissioned as the one who would lead the people in. Interesting thing about this is that Joshua was probably about 70 years old at the time. Um, So probably what I would say is, never think you're too old for God to put you in a position where he's asking you to do something for him. 
never think that in your life. Um, and it must have been uh, quite a frightening prospect to Joshua. You know, he'd, he'd re- they'd been relying on Moses. He was the leader. He was the one that was meeting with God. He'd led the people for well over 40 years. And Joshua had been his helper, his assistant along the way. Could you imagine how lonely it would have felt for Joshua at this point to find himself standing out there on the front line of the battle? Both spiritually and physically. Just at the moment that they were finally about to enter the promised land. He's the one that's put now on the front line. And all of this when he was about 70 years of age. So now Joshua had to get ready. He had to get ready to lead these people across to the Jordan. Across the Jordan. But you notice there as well that everybody was going. Everybody was going. Everybody get ready to cross over to the Jordan River. Now you and all these people get ready. <coughs> Praise God. They were in this together. They were in this together. Everybody had to have faith this time. Everybody had to have faith. Faith to face those giants in the land. Faith to cross over into the land. Faith to trust God to keep his promises. Move on to verse 3. The Lord says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea of the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise the Lord. God had promised not only to give them the land, He said, everywhere you set your feet, that's quite a promise, isn't it? But there's another side to the promise. The people had to walk in. They had to claim the promise. And they had to cross over the Jordan and take possession of the land they had been promised. See, God always keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises. But we need to make sure we're following him. We need to make sure we're responding to his word to us and his direction in our lives. So, was this, this would probably be a very lonely place, wouldn't it? Could you imagine it? From a natural point of view, it would be a lonely place for Joshua. When Moses announced that Joshua would lead the people into the promised land, uh, this is what, what he said. He said, I am now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy those nations before you and you will take possession of the land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And actually, if you read on there in Deuteronomy, the promise is again given to Joshua personally. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Is that a lonely place? The emphasis here on the leadership of the people that Joshua was taking on was not on necessarily his leadership. 
It was on the Lord's leadership. Did you see that? It is true that Joshua would lead the people across the Jordan as God's representative. But it was the Lord himself that would cross over ahead of the people. Is that not encouraging? The Lord crossing over ahead. The Lord's promising there. He will personally cross over ahead of them. And Joshua would be following the Lord and leading the people across. And God also promised to defeat the enemy. On the other side, it didn't say, you're going to defeat the enemy, did it? It said, he will deliver them into your hands. He will defeat them. This wasn't only a personal promise for Joshua as God's leader there, it was also a promise for the entire Israelite people. As a believer in Jesus Christ, have you known this to be true in your life? That God would literally go ahead of you in a situation that you're facing. He would go ahead of you. Prepare the way. Leading you step by step as you go into very difficult times and you're not sure what to do. Have you ever known that? I have known that. You just don't know where you're going. You don't know what lies ahead. And the Lord goes ahead of you. Prepares a way for you where there seems to be no way. Also, have you ever known this promise when you're feeling lonely? This promise that he says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. You know, maybe, maybe as Christians we've known this in the past. We've known it heavily in the past, but maybe we need to remember it now. Remember it fresh today. And to apply this message further to us today, let's have a look at Jesus' words. Um... And to his disciples when he commissions his disciples in Matthew 28 verse 16 and Jesus said to them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age Do you see the similarity of the two um, calls there? And this is the call of Jesus to his disciples. So, by the way, it applies to us as believers now today. And he calls them, as he calls us, to go and make disciples of all nations. Now the disciples would have been well aware in Jesus' day. They would have faced major opposition. There would have been major giants coming up against them as they were approaching various towns and places. And also today, as we move out to fulfil this commission to go and make disciples of all nations, we're here in Moody'sburn. And the surrounding areas and God's instruction is the same. Here in Moody'sburn, as we've moved in as a church planting team, we've really acknowledged the fact that God has led us every step of the way and I'm not overstating that I mean it with all my heart God has literally went before us we have not known two three steps ahead we've only known the next step and we've trusted God to take us through the impossible and time and time again where there seems to be no way God makes a way and I just want to emphasise that we're sitting today in a place that was impossible to get into it was awarded somewhere else for a pub And God made a way. 
And we're about to move into a bookies next door that was initially not awarded to us. And God has made a way. But there's been more than that. There's been individual things in our lives. There's been things as a fellowship, I'm sure we could testify. God has made a way where there seemed to be no way. He's led, he's went before us, he's led us step by step. We followed his leading. We're following his leading in the church. And he still leads us onwards. And if we believe in Jesus as as our saviour, we can claim this promise from him. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a promise. What an assurance today for us today. So the people had to get ready. Secondly, the command came, be strong and courageous. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Now when we talk about being strong there, we're not talking about being strong in our own strength. It's talking about being strong in the Lord. Because let's face it, our strength, well certainly mine, isn't up to much anyway. And we start to face problems and difficulties it doesn't last very long, does it? This is the Lord's strength we have to be strong in. And, and secondly there, fear can be a big driver in our lives. Maybe today are we, are we afraid of what would lie ahead of us? The thing God's calling us to do or the situation we're in? That God has placed us in, we're afraid? Do we maybe know what God's calling us to do? What decision he's asking us to make? But we're afraid to commit to that decision. Or we're afraid to commit ourselves to the task he's asked us to do? Do we feel sometimes that it's impossible to see a local community like this one, with all of its giants, transformed totally by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we afraid what it might mean if we're on the front line of that? Part of that transformation? Maybe we come down on a Friday night and let me tell you, you need to be strong. It's a great time, but it's front line. And praise God, we've got godly people going in praying, get in with the gospel message, and they're doing a fantastic job, and I'd encourage you to, to think about that. In the coffee house, it's front line. You may not feel that way sometimes, you may feel as if you're just wor- working there. You're front line for the Lord. It's a testimony, and it's having an impact on the town. It can sometimes be a fearful thing. And then the prayer meeting, there's a front line. As we call upon the Lord, the only one who's able to move mountains, the only one who's able to save lives, the only one that's able to transform our community. That's front line. So we have to be strong, and we have to be courageous. Thirdly there, we have to be careful. Verse 7, be careful to obey all the law of my servant, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, do, do we base our personal decisions on our feelings or on God's word? Do we go for something just because it feels right or because God said it's right? 
after the previous command to be strong and courageous, notice that the attention here is moved on to obeying the Lord. The two are connected. He's saying, first of all, be careful to obey the law of my servant Moses. And then he says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. And what's the result of this? Being obedient. Well, the words that are used there are success and prosperity. As we walk in careful obedience to God, we find the results are extremely positive. A close relationship with God brings us joy and peace. There may not be success in prospering the way the world may look at it. It might be, and there's nothing wrong with that. But isn't isn't there nothing better than knowing the peace of God in your life? And being safe and secure in that? So careful obedience to God's word brings, brings us into blessing. Are there maybe areas of our own lives, my, my own life today and our lives today that we need to check are in line with what God's word is telling us to do, what he's saying to us? Remember that the previous generation of the Israelites didn't obey God's clear instructions to get into the promised land and then result was they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. While God was still with them in the wilderness, you know, he was still with them, They weren't in the place they were supposed to be. And you know, as believers, God has promised us he will never leave us or forsake us. Praise the Lord for that. But we need to check that we're listening to his voice and walking in obedience so that, to his voice, so that um, we're not completely off track. I'm saying that very lovingly today. There have been areas in my life I've been off track and God brings me back on track. And this still happens. But let's just ask the Lord today. I just encourage you to do that. To check whether we're, we're actually in the place we should be walking in obedience to God. In verse 9, God repeats his earlier command again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't you think that God is really trying to make a point here? How many times has he said the same statement over and again? There is no doubt that fear must have really gripped the Israelites for many years as they wandered about in that wilderness. And although Joshua had personally been faithful to God and trusted that he would lead them into the promised land, it must have still been a very intimidating prospect to be prepared to lead these people across into enemy territory. I'm going to say a statement today. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. If you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling like giving up, if you feel that you can't take one more step forward, listen to the words of the Lord. Don't be discouraged. How often we are discouraged by things that happen in our lives, problems, failures, mistakes we've made, fears about the future, trials that we're going through, health issues. God says, don't be discouraged, for I am with you. Over the Jordan River, into the promised land, was the direction the people were to go in. And as a church fellowship here in Middlesbrough, we are united together as believers in Christ Jesus. We're called to a common purpose. Go. Tell the world about Jesus. Share the love of Jesus with the world. We're called to love God. 
We're called to love each other. And we're to love the world. And share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. So you see the instructions that God gave his people. In Joshua's day. Still applies to us today. In the mission we have been given. And as we face these giants in the land. Individually and as a fellowship. God says to us. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go. Let's close in prayer. I'd like to take the Apostle Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus. And just use that prayer to pray over the fellowship here in New Beginnings. It's from Ephesians 1.18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every title that can be given. Not only in the present age but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet. And appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. Lord God, just as we close today, we're conscious of the giants that are in our land today. And Lord, as we think of discouragement, temptation, grief and loss, pride, misplaced spirituality, addiction, family issues, debt and finance, work and unemployment, fear, anger and resentment, and materialism. We bring these giants before you, Lord God, and we just recognize today as a fellowship that you are greater than these giants. In the name of Jesus. And I just pray, Lord God, if there's any of these that are particularly troubling anyone here today, including myself, I pray you'd remove these things, Lord God. Help us to have victory over them in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. And thank you that that's your will for us, Lord, to live in victory. To live in the the fullness of the blessing that we have available to us in Jesus Christ. And you know, just to share one thing with you as we close. The greatest giant we've ever faced or ever will face is the giant of sin. Sin is what separates us from, from God. But God has made a way for us to overcome that giant of sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for all of our sins. And he defeated the power of sin and death and the the devil himself. He won the victory for you, individually for you, every person. And now you need to believe this truth. Repent of your sins and live in that victory that he has already won for us. Lord, I just thank you for this word today, Lord. We're humbled to be in the presence of Almighty God. We are humbled that you have made a way for us to enter into that promised blessing of being right with God, being right with other believers, 
and being your representatives in the world. We just can't take in, Lord God, what all of that means. We thank you for your love, for your patience, for your mercy. And Lord, I thank you that you're, you're, you're very particularly interested in this fellowship here. You know every person. You know exactly what they're going through. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would bring that victory into folks' lives, myself included, Lord God. And as we look to this community, as we look to this place which is dedicated for you, Lord God, we just pray what was prayed earlier today. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, and we just ask you to do a mighty work here. And help us to have the faith, God, to believe that you can deal with anything that comes before us, Lord God. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for loving us. I thank you that you love every person that doesn't know you yet as your saviour. You love everyone. And we just pray, Lord, you draw folks to yourself, Lord God, as a, just as we, we work here in this local community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.